Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network and is also on e-wrestling news. I am Mags, and today coronavirus has taken another victim. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Taller is unavailable. Um, yeah, uh, my thoughts are going out with him. He's uh, kind of in a worrying state right now. Uh, coronavirus is, whilst he's not affected with it, it's kind of like playing a big part in his uh, uh, in his real life. So that obviously comes before recording a podcast. Uh, but I have got an amazing guest with me to to kind of fill his shoes. I've got uh, someone who's been on the on the show before, and I'm so glad to have him back. Uh, I've got. Billy Collins at the real Billy C. Billy, how are you? I'm I'm trying my best to survive. I'm doing my <laughs> best. I, I I really appreciate uh, you know you having me back on, and uh, you know it's it's a good distraction. It's a good way to not be bored for for a little while. Yeah, how are you coping with uh, this whole uh, coronavirus issue? Yeah, um, I mean, we, the me and the family, we decided to self isolate because my mom still has to go to work and she deals with, um, you know, a b- bunches of people every day, and so it's just it's not safe to be having people over right now, and so 
Um, it's it's unfortunate, but that's the that's the state of the world right now. It just it, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, we uh, we've been lucky where where I'm from. We've only had in my area uh, two cases of it, uh, mm. and they were nowhere near us. But um, we're kind of like we we can't self isolate if you understand what I mean. My wife yeah. works with uh with underprivileged children, so yeah. she oh, yeah. she kind of didn't go to work. Did have they wouldn't have anyone to care for him. So we kind of like struggle in, in that sense. But look, like I said, we haven't really been affected personally by it, but we are seeing um, like people who we, who we know or who we've, uh, we've spoke to getting affected. So yeah, it's a, it's a worrying time for everyone, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, don't, I, I don't want to be too somber. You know, this is supposed to be a fun time, but, you know that's the reality of the world right now. It it sucks and it it might go on for for quite a while. So you know thoughts and prayers are out to everyone affected by this right now. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you're not affected, uh, stay safe, wash your hands, um, practice some social distancing. Uh, yeah, and just uh, make sure you you and your loved ones are, are safe. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. But like Billy said, this is about a fun podcast. We don't want to kind of get in too much of a somber mood. Um, so, Billy, for, you've been on the show before, like we like we said earlier. So you've added your your picks to the Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, so when we have a, a a guest who's returning, we we like to give him like a a little bit of an opening. Um, Mount Rushmore, and for you, we decided on the Mount Rushmore of, of up-and-coming wrestlers for 2020 people who who kind of we should be keeping our eye on to see um, how their stars will grow in 2020. So, who are the who are the the wrestlers that you uh, have in mind for keeping an eye out over the the next year or so, and, and a little bit of reason why? Yeah. So um, this this was actually a little bit of a, a tough one. Um, I. I I don't know. I just I struggled with this a little bit, but I, I got my I got my picks. Don't worry. Um, so my first pick is uh, Naya Nomura, who wrestles in All Japan, and uh, he's one of the centerpieces of All Japan's future. I mean, right now they have Kento Miyahara as their ace. He's uh, he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. But over the last year to year and a half, uh, Nomura has really broken out as being like the guy that will eventually usurp uh miyahara you know he he had the first breakout match i remember him having was against zeus in the uh, royal road tournament in the fall of 2018 and then he just carried over that momentum through all of 2019 uh having great matches left and right with you know miyahara and then in the champion carnival with whoever was there and uh yeah he's uh he's my first pick as as uh, someone to watch out for. He's actually injured right now, 
And so he had he had to uh, pull out of the champion carnival. But once he comes back, he's definitely one to look for. Mm. Uh, for my shame, I, I don't really get to watch a lot of all Japan, but the I do know of the big names over there, and so I'll definitely be looking out for that guy. Yeah, um, who's uh, who's joining him on this uh, this Mount Rushmore of, of breakout stars for twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean, if you're into the UK indies, you probably heard of him it's scotty davis yes um is yeah is slash was i i don't follow progress but at one point maybe still is a progress tag team champion with jordan devlin yes uh yeah and um in ott they've really given him a platform to shine especially over the last year where he got to have big time showcase matches um, like at Scrapper Mania last year, he got to face Jushin Liger, and he actually won the match, so that was really cool. Um, he's also built up a portfolio of great matches against uh, like Darby Allen and Cara Noir, David Starr, Jordan Devlin. Um, and he's also only 18 or 19, very, very young, uh, still has a ton of time to grow. And uh, yeah, definitely look out for him when you know, OTT can start running shows again. Yeah, he he was a, a star of the uh, the progress uh, the new progression tournament that progress uh, do. Uh, we've got a really good crop of young talent here in Britain. Uh, we've got obviously, like you said, Cara Noir, and then we've got uh, the OJMO. And G Money is doing doing some really good things. So yeah, we've got a lot of good talent. But yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah, uh, my third pick from the American independent scene. It is Warhorse, formerly mm. known as Jake Parnell and uh, he became Warhorse in the middle of last year. I, according to Cage Match, his first match as Warhorse was in August. And uh, he he can be characterized as like I don't know how to describe this man. He he posts these promos on Twitter where it's him screaming at the camera and he's got this face paint on, like kind of like like Ultimate Warrior or Surfer Sting. Um and very intense and very, very funny as well. Um, he was independent wrestling TV. He is the independent wrestling TV champion right now. He beat uh, Eric Stevens for that last year. And uh, he's really just been making a name for himself uh, over this over these last several months. And so, you know, when American wrestling comes back, he's one to look out for at your local indie. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten to see him in person yet, but... Uh, um, I, I definitely will try to be that at Black Label Pro or any independent show around my area uh, when wrestling comes back later this year. Yeah, um, a wrestling company called Synergy uh, did a 24-hour stream recently, and he was on quite a few of the matches. Uh, I think he was on uh, Limitless, and he was defending that independent wrestling uh, title. Yeah, such a great wrestler. But his Twitter game is absolutely brilliant. I think yes. um, his partnership with Danhausen is just it's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful to watch. So yeah, great pick. Who's uh, who's the last last name that's going on your Mount Rushmore of, of breakout stars? Yeah, my last name uh, is another one from All Japan. It's actually Naya Nomura's former tag team partner Yuma Aoyagi, um, and Aoyagi is another one that's going to be a centerpiece of uh, All Japan's future. Um, like I said, he was Nomura's tag team partner for a while, 
And for a while, he was just one of those guys that's like the talent is there, but he really just needs that one moment to break out and really start rising up the card. And he did that when he turned on Kento Miyahara earlier this year. Um, and that set up a title match between the two. And it was a really good match. Um, so that, that was the moment where it was like, okay, Yuma Aoyagi is here. And I mean, I doubt they go forward with the champion carnival as planned, which is so disappointing. But, uh, as it stood, um, he probably would have had a real good, uh, breakout showing in that tournament. So, um, you know, when things get back to normal, if that, if we can even call it that possibly later this year, uh, he would be another one to look out for if you're a fan of all Japan wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And <coughs> for, for people who are self-isolating and uh, for people who are, who are working from home because of coronavirus, it's, it's the ideal time to, to get into companies that you might never have, have, have watched before. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's ideal to get into all Japan and get uh, watching this kind of a, this wrestling that you, you're not aware of and, and get to see these, uh, these hungry young stars that, that Billy's mentioned. So uh, I'll definitely be, be looking out for, for these guys' matches. Uh, thanks for that, Billy. I really do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, of course. Hey, everyone. It's your girl, the Queen of N.E., and I'm so excited to tell you about my show, Queen's Court. It's an awesome fun, super interactive podcast led by yours truly, bringing you some awesome interviews, some great collabs, and just enjoying discussing our beloved sport of wrestling. You can find me on Twitter at TheQueenOfAnny, on Instagram at XTheQueenOfAnny, and of course my podcast, Queen's Court, on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are out. I encourage you to come take a listen to something new, something fresh, and something that you can only have when you hold court with the Queen. Let's get into the main topic. Uh, we we are going to uh, debate the Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestling referees. Wait a minute. Since Paul's not here, can we veto each other? or <laughs> If you've got one to replace, I suppose. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, um, ordinarily when Paul's not available, I kind of record, pre-record his picks. Uh, but uh, coronavirus, like I said, is, is has been a struggle. But luckily, I, I always research for just in case me and Paul kind of clash. Uh, yeah, I've got um, an, an interesting mix, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Who's your first pick on your Mount Rushmore of the greatest referees? Uh, my first pick. It's a personal one for me. Uh, it's, it's girl Hebner herself, Aubrey Edwards. Um, it, it was just like, uh, when I went to the AEW revolution show a few weeks ago, it was the main event Moxley versus Jericho and Aub- Aubrey was getting ready to throw them out and all the theatrics behind it and all the buildup. And when she finally decided to toss them, the whole arena, just, we all lost our minds. And it was like, Aubrey is, is my favorite referee. She's the best. Yeah, she's she's so dramatic. Uh, yes, there's a there's a reason why she's called Girl Hebner. She's uh, yeah. I, it, sometimes when you watch her on TV, it's kind of like she overacts a lot. But uh, when you when you hear how the crowd reacts to her, yeah, they they absolutely oh, yeah. love her. It's a great great pick. Um, for my first one, uh, 
it's one that you wouldn't ordinarily have, have, have picked as the as the greatest referees. But for me, um, to to like qualify for this for well for my Mount Rushmore, you kind of had to be either an outstanding referee or you you needed to um, have kind of a lot a lot of character work and. Uh, the, the first one I'm going for definitely had a lot of character work. He, he kind of got his own storyline outside of uh, being a referee, which kind of shows um, the the impact he had. I'm going for Tim Watt. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason why I've gone for him is uh, not necessarily his, uh, his refereeing. He was a very competent referee, uh, but he was never kind of the the... The, the showcase referee, kind of like your Earl Hebner's or your uh, your Nick Patrick's, he was just a kind of like the third man in the ring, kind of anonymous. But the reason why I picked him is because of uh, he got his own storyline in the middle of uh, two thousand and five after kind of getting injured a lot in the in the ring as a ref. Uh, he kind of had to come away from that, and he got a storyline called the Lunchtime Suicides. Yes. Uh... <laughs> so that started on December. Uh, the 18th, 2005, where he made a, an on-screen appearance at Armageddon. Uh, he was interviewed by Josh Robinson inside a bar that he actually owned, a bar called The Friendly Tap, um, and he was uh, getting drunk, claiming mm. that claiming that the Hell in the Cell match that he got injured, uh, I think it was against, I think he was in the Hell in the Cell uh, of Undertaker of Mankind, and when Mankind fell through the the the, the roof, he kind oh, yeah. of landed on on Tim White, and it, it started that a, a recurring shoulder injury, which kind of eventually forced Tim White out of uh, out of referee. So he, he the storyline was he was um, saying that that match ruined his life. Uh, and whilst being interviewed by Josh, he uh, he got a shotgun from underneath the bar, uh, walked off screen, and all you could hear. Is the gun for going off? Oh uh, my god! And apparently he killed himself. Um, this, this at the time was was kind of really really lambasted in in the wrestling press because it was only about a month earlier that, that Eddie Guerrero had died. Uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't looked well on. But WWE being WWE, they kind of kept doubling down on it. And yep. then uh, um, just over a couple of weeks later. Uh, it was revealed that Tim White had actually shot himself in the foot and not in, uh, not basically filled himself in. Um, but then when he was asked by Matthews in another interview about his New Year's resolution, he, uh, he decided to eat a box of rat poison. Which oh, my then, God. Uh, fell, fell over in his chair. Um, yeah, it, it just they just kept going worse and worse so on that. So wild. Ten days later, he was interviewed by Josh Matthews again. Um where he tried to hang himself. Oh, my uh, God. Then the rope broke. Uh, it then kind of transitioned over to uh, the WWE website after it went off TV, and every week there would be a new video where Josh Matthews were trying to interview Tim Watt, and every week he would uh, come up with new inventive ways of uh, trying to end his own laugh. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And it was actually a... a a regular segment on the website and was actually called the lunchtime suicides because it was uploaded every, every Thursday at, at lunchtime. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, it was, um, it, it kind of come to an end on, uh, April the 6th of, of 2006 where WWE.com uploaded a video where 
Tim Watt didn't actually try and commit suicide. He actually invited uh, Josh Matthews to a party uh, to take place at the at the following week. Um, but then when he did turn up to the party, Tim Watt ended up shooting uh, Josh Matthews, and that was kind of the end of the the lunchtime suicides. Um, as a, as a an employee, Tim White was actually released from WWE in two thousand and nine, and he 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 actually worked for the company for twenty four years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my first pick is uh, the Lunchtime Suicides, Tim White. Wow, interesting, yeah. super interesting. <laughs> they had no filter back then. Oh no! Good lord! All right. So let's uh, go to you for your second one. Yes, uh, my second pick is, uh, it, I mean, I think all my picks might be kind of basic. Well, half the, the these first two are pretty basic, and then the next two are just, like, people you might not know. Uh, so my second pick is, is Red Shoes Uno. The, he's the, the main referee in New Japan, referees the biggest matches. Um, I, I, I don't know if I need to explain too, too much why I love Red Shoes, but he is, he's also just super overly dramatic, um, and he's, he's one of the few referees that actually adds to the drama of a big time match. Um, the way he jumps around the ring to get in position for a pin is always really fun. And the way he, uh, reacts to, to heels trying to cheat. And he just says like, no, 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 not, you can't do that here. And like, he's not going to call for a pin if someone went for one after nefarious means. And, uh, it's just, I don't know, man, he's the best. And plus he's the father of Shota Umino, the, the future ace of New Japan. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't have too, too much to say about Red Shoes Uno. He's, he's a dramatic referee, a very dramatic, very theatrical, and he adds to every match he's in. And not many refs can say that. Yeah. Um, I love him. He wasn't one of my picks. Uh, uh, not because I don't think he's an amazing referee, it's because I thought that Paul would have picked him. So uh, mm. I kind of went a different way. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love him. He, he, like you said, he adds to every match with uh, the way... He's almost like, like Aubrey is at AEW, where he's kind of like over-excitement really kind of adds to to the, the match. Yeah, so great pick. Um, yeah. My second one, I'm going to go with... Uh, Someone again, uh, a WWE one, but he wasn't ordinarily a WWE referee, he was actually a WCW one. I'm going to go with Charles Robinson. Mm. Um, Charles Robinson, obviously, is known as Little Nature, uh, and that's because he looks like like Ric Flair and he actually grew up idolizing Ric Flair and he actually broke into the wrestling business because he wanted to work with the with guys like Ric Flair. Uh, he started training as a referee under uh. NWA referee Tommy Young, uh, and after a couple of years with a with a small promotion called uh, PWF, he tried out for WCW. Uh, repeatedly, and was keep get kept getting knocked back and knocked back, but he didn't give up, and finally uh, became a full time referee in WCW in 1997. Uh, a couple of years after, he, he he was another one who got his own kind of storyline as a referee. He was the heel referee for the Four Horsemen, mm-hmm. uh, which which kind of like it, it started his, his lifelong dream of working with his hero, Ric Flair. Um, and this kind of put him in, in the crosshairs of, of uh, the faces of, of WCW, especially Randy Savage, 
who uh, had just been suspended by by Ric Flair, who was was the president of WCW at that time. Uh, so Savage proposed a match between uh, Charles Robinson and. Uh, uh, Gorgeous George, who was uh, Sav- uh, Savage's girlfriend at that time, mm-hmm. and if uh, and if George won, Randy would get uh, reinstated. And and this was was absolute heaven to Charles Robinson. He always wanted to be a wrestler, but never felt that he had the the ability. And that's why he kind of like gravitated towards refereeing. But he got to uh, to play up to this character that he he created his head. This little Nate character came out in the. Uh, in the Ric Flair robe, did all the strutting and the kind of acting like Ric Flair does. Yeah, and he absolutely um, loved loved being in the match. He, he did eventually lose when Savage uh, and Savage got his contract back, and then the week after he was actually teaming with Flair. So that's another kind of a bucket list ticked off there for 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 Charles Robinson. But unfortunately, uh, Savage uh, botched an elbow drop and cracked. Uh, four or five of uh, Robinson's vertebrae yeah, and also yeah. collapsed his lung. Um, so then um, Robinson had another heel run in 1999 uh, when he was siding with Sid Vicious uh, over the course of... Uh, Sid Vicious and Rick Steiner over the course of the month. And he um, he actually... His WCW career came to an end after the, the final Nitro where he was actually the referee for the final match, uh, the one where Sting beat Ric Flair. Uh, he quickly transitioned over to WWF, obviously, as, as part of that uh, kind of referee battle that was going on between the WCW and the WWF uh, referees, and he was kind of a bit part player in that story. Um, and in his tenure with WWE, he's a... Uh, He's been a, a raw referee. He's been a SmackDown referee, but he's also been one of the the most highly regarded referees. He's he's actually refereed the final match of his hero Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24, but he's also been in world title matches at WrestleMania uh, 22, 23, and also at 24. And he uh, he's also refereed the the main event of WrestleMania 26, the one where Shawn Michaels was retired by the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, other other kind of notable matches that he's been in uh, are the the final matches of Eddie Guerrero, uh, the the current final match of Edge, uh, who's obviously going to be making a comeback pretty soon, and he was also handpicked by Sting to uh, to referee Sting's match against Triple Triple H at WrestleMania 31. Um, he's also been in a little bit of controversy in the WWE. He, uh, he was part of uh, the recreation of the Montreal Screw Job that. That uh, the WWE did at Payback 2016, where they screwed uh, Natte um, with the Charlotte Flair uh, locking her into the the sharpshooter, Natty not tapping. Uh, and he's another ref, uh, referee who's picked up quite a few injuries. He's had a dislocated elbows, obviously the punctured lung that we talked about. Uh, he's almost lost a full thumb. Uh, he's broke his fingers multiple times and he also tore a muscle in his foot. So, yeah, um, my second pick is uh, Little Nate himself, Charles Robinson. Yeah, the the first time I, the first thing I think of when I think of uh, Charles Robinson is that the Goldberg-Hogan match on Nitro... Uh, where Goldberg won the WCW title. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for how a referee counts the pin, just the way they move their arm. I'm just, I'm, I'm picky like that. And the way Robinson uh, like counts the pin uh, is, is really pleasing. And just being able to play up the theatrics of Goldberg taking down Hogan um, 
yeah, he's he's fun. He's he's one of my favorites too. Oh, great! So even if you could veto, it's not yeah. one you would veto. No, I would not. <laughs> um, all so right. let's go to you for your third pick. Yeah. So my third pick. I was going back and forth in my head for the last few minutes of who this third pick is going to be. And I'm deciding to go with Bryce Remsburg, uh, another another AEW referee. And uh, for the sole purpose of he was the referee for the GCW Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan match. So Invisible Man and Invisible Stan, they're not they're not real people. You know, they just they any match involving the Invisible Man or Invisible Stan would just be. The, the wrestler throwing themselves around the ring and the crowd going wild chanting for Invisible Man. And so this was that, except there isn't another wrestler to play off of. There's just the referee in an empty room. And so Bryce Remsburg was tasked with basically reacting to a match while there's nothing going on. And he did a fantastic job playing off of these imaginary spots. There's one where it's like they were doing the, the cradle, cradle, cradle spot. And Bryce is just like diving back and forth all over the ring to, to count imaginary pins. And, uh, you know, outside of that, he's just a, a good solid referee, not nothing negative really to say about him, but that, that invisible man, invisible stand match was where everyone was like, Oh God, Bryce Ramsberg is, an amazing referee and him being able to play up the theatrics of, uh, of literally nothing happening and being able to get the crowd into it just shows his prowess as a performer. And when called upon, he can add to any match. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a kind of a testament to the, the crop of AW referees that they've got. Uh, you mentioned obviously, uh, Aubrey Edwards and, and, and brass is doing, doing so well down there. And then you've got the likes of Rick Knox, who's uh, who's really, really doing well since he, he was taken under the, the AEW umbrella. Uh, for my third pick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with AEW. Um, and it's not one that has made his name in AEW with the likes of like, Rick Knox and Aubrey Edwards. It's actually Earl Hedner. Uh, mm. actually, uh, I don't think that this could be a list for me anyway. I've been a, a devout WWE fan for a long, long time. I don't think it could be a, a list of referees without mentioning at least one of the Hebner uh, family. Oh, yeah. So, so yes, I, I went for Earl. Uh, he started refereeing in the late 70s. Um, spent a lot of the, the 80s actually in Jim Crockett. Uh, and he officiated most of the big matches there, uh, including the, the Tully versus Magnum TAR quick match. Uh, but he actually made the jump to WWF in um, 1998, uh, 1988, sorry, um, where he was uh, he was in the controversial uh, championship match between Hogan and Andre the Giant. Uh, yes, yeah. Where in the storyline, Earl's twin brother uh, had been assigned to the match, uh, but unbeknownst to uh, to Hogan, and that DBS had actually bribed Earl to switch places with Dave and kind of steal the victory for Andre. Um, mm-hmm. Earl did the three count, even though Hogan's shoulders weren't 
pin to the match and Andre then quickly sold that title on to Diviose. Uh but unfortunately they were interrupted by, by Dave Emery who uh, had escaped the closet he'd been locked in and the two twin referees had a bit of a stare off um, and then when Hogan realised that he'd been duped he, uh, he gorilla pressed Earl from the ring to the floor um, this was actually all a storyline to lead for Hogan to drop the belt to go and film No Holds Barred and, and obviously led to the, the WF tournament uh, on WrestleMania 4 where uh, Savage won the title. Um, so uh, his most infamous involvement as a referee is obviously the Montreal Screwjob uh, where he kind of signaled for the bell despite Brett clearly not tapping to the sharpshooter. Um the controversy comes in for, I mean, we all know the story of the, the Montreal Screwjob, but, mm-hmm. but Earl's part in it was that he actually promised Brett on the last of his own children that there would be no Screwjob happening. And then when Vince instructed Hebner to call for the bell, uh, he kind of had to, and he, he got out of Dodge straight away, left the arena straight after that. Uh, and the the reasoning that, um, that, that has come out is that because... Uh, Brett was leaving WCW, uh, WWF to go to WW, uh, WCW a month later, and and Vince didn't want a similar incident to the uh, the women's title being thrown in the trash by Alundra Bears. But he's also been involved in uh, quite a few other wrestling storylines. He was uh, in the the the, the referee strike. Uh, of 1999 that uh, that ended with uh, referees being allowed to defend themselves against the wrestlers when they were provoked. Uh, And in 2000, there was the storyline between uh, Triple H and Chris Jericho for the WWF title where uh, Earl was accused of doing a fast count to give Mm -hmm. the title to to Jericho. Uh, And then he was... He was tormented for for weeks before that by Triple H, and uh, Triple H forced him to to reverse the decision, but promised he would never touch another WWE employee again. And as soon as the belt was handed over and stripped from Jericho, he pro- he was promptly fired and then was attacked by Triple H. So he kind of didn't get what he was promised. Yeah. Um, he was also the first ever referee to be a playable character in a in a in a WWE video game when he was on No Mercy uh, on the N sixty four. He was also part of the, the 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 referee war that we mentioned in in the, the Charles Robinson pick. He was the uh, the the main guy for the for the WWF side. Um, but he actually was fired from WWE in two thousand and five uh, when both him and his brother. Uh, were accused of selling counterfeit WWE merchandise. Uh, he he then appeared in TNA where he, he actually refereed, and I didn't realise it, it was so long, he actually refereed in TNA for over a decade um, and again was involved in quite a few controversies whilst he was there. He he helped Jeff Jarrett win the King of the Mountain match when he pushed uh, Sting and Christian Cage off a ladder. Uh, he was involved in their version of the the Montreal screw job where Kurt Angle faced AJ Styles and um, uh, Kurt tried to go for the ankle lock, which then was reversed by AJ and Earl called for the bell, even though Angle didn't submit. He also had a uh, a romance storyline with Madison Rain where he would help Madison Rain win the knockouts title. Um, he, he ended up being inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame in 2000 and uh, 
15, but him and his son Brian, uh, who was also a referee, left that company in 2017 and he returned to the indie scene for a while uh, and he was actually at the point of retiring. Uh, he, he was making his last build event at Ring Wars in Carolina where his uh, daughter was making her refereeing debut as well, but um, in September of 2018, he, he got a phone call to to referee at All In, the match between Cody and Nick Aldis for the uh, for the NWA World's Heavyweight title, and then obviously the rematch at the 70th uh, anniversary show for NWA. And in 2019, he actually joined the roster down at uh, All Elite Wrestling as a part-time referee and uh, a backstage producer. Uh, He doesn't show up that much. He kind of only officiates like pay-per-views and and really big matches. But yeah, he's uh, still going now almost... 40 years after he made his uh, debut as a referee. So, yeah, I think it would be remiss of me to not include Earl Hebner. Yeah, I feel like if you ask any, like, disaffected WWE or maybe even WCW fan from back in the day, it's like, who, who name just name one referee. The names that will probably come up will be, like, Earl Hebner or, like, Nick Patrick or mm-hmm. someone like that. Um, okay, so my fourth totally. pick. Yeah, so my, my fourth pick is uh, Kyohei Wada, uh, the main referee in all Japan. And he referees every Kento Miyahara match. And him and Miyahara just have this amazing relationship where they absolutely hate each other. There are certain points during matches where they will just break into a shouting match against each other, where like Kento's trying to bend the rules and Wada will tell him to knock that off and They'll just keep yelling back and forth. And then Kento always does this. He always has this one spot in his big matches where he wraps uh, his opponent around the, the post and just pulls on their head to, to wrench their neck. And Wada will come out and be like, one, two, three, four. And Miyahara won't let go. And so Wada will just go from behind Miyahara and just start yanking on his hair. Be like, hey, you got to stop that. And then they just get in another shouting match. And it's, uh, I mean, some people don't like it, but I always find it very, very entertaining. Um, and I, I think it definitely adds to the match. It allows Miyahara to, to really hone in on his character work in matches and that he's, he's kind of the baby face ace of the company, but he's also kind of a, kind of a, a, a jerk and he's kind of willing to just bend the rules every once in a while to win. Um, and Wada is just there to be like his moral compass and it's it's always it's funny and it's entertaining and it always adds to matches and i'm very into that so yeah kyohei wada my fourth pick yeah for, for me a ref have has to be totally anonymous that you don't kind of notice that they're or they have to be almost like an integral part of the match like mm-hmm. they they're the ones controlling it and Technically, I mean, breaking through the the fourth wall, they are the ones controlling the match. They're the the ones that are, are kind of keeping time for the wrestlers, and they they're the the middlemen between the wrestlers and the announcement team and the production team. So, yeah, the it's it's a lot more work being a referee than than people kind of think. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't. I could never do it. No, <laughs> definitely not. So I'll go to my fourth pick. Um, and it's one that I'm sure Billy will will it may be surprised I picked him, but he'll also I think it'll be one that he likes. I think I'm going with Tiger Hattori. Mm, okay. 
Um, so Tiger's history in wrestling uh, actually started at the amateur level, where he were he was a wrestler for the the Maji University. He actually won the 1966 Greco Roman All Japan Wrestling Championship in in the bantamweight division, and then the year later he went on and won the actual World Wrestling Championship in Greco Roman, uh, which was in Romania. Um, he moved to the states soon after graduating uh, to to work under Hiro Matsuda as a uh, as a coach, kind of teaching potential pro wrestlers the fundamentals of amateur wrestling. Uh, and one of his students is a is a little known wrestler who uh, didn't really do a lot uh, in in the business. A guy called Hulk Hogan. Uh, uh-huh. you, may, you may never have heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was also kind of a sporadic manager around those times. He managed um, Masasato and Killer Khan, and he also did a bit of part-time wrestling for uh, the CWF uh, under the name Tiger, which is where he got his his, his official ring name from. Uh, he then returned to New uh, to Japan in 1982 uh, to work for New Japan as a referee, uh, but he quickly like jumped ship and he, he tended to do this a lot over his career. He uh, he, he went to a company called Japan Pro Wrestling to work for his friend Ricky Choshu. Uh, and whilst he was there, he also did stints for All Japan, uh, which where he trained under highly respected official Joe Higuchi. Mm. Uh, uh, when Japan Pro Wrestling collapsed, Tiger kind of returned to New Japan uh, in the late 80s and he quickly rise to the, the, the position of the second highest ranked official there behind uh, Mr. Takahashi, who was, uh, who was the, the, the number one official over there in New Japan. Uh, and Tiger was, was assigned more and more high-profile matches, uh, including the, the controversials as Shinya Hashimoto versus Naoya Agawa match oh, of, yeah. uh, of January 1999. Very, very famous match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 2001, he was actually, when uh, Mr. Takashi retired, he was actually confirmed as the, the head referee of New Japan. Uh, but unfortunately, due to ill health, he, he ended up stepping down a year later. 2003, he again left New Japan to follow his good friend, Ricky Choshu, uh, again to be the head referee in, a, in Ricky's new promotion, Fighting World of Japan Pro Wrestling, which... Uh, is quite a, a mouthful Not of a name full. for a company. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, this this company collapsed less than a year later, and again, um, Hattori returned to New Japan. But this time, he didn't return just as a referee. He was on. He was actually a part-time referee, but he actually returned to uh, to work as the foreign liaison manager. I think this was when uh, New Japan was kind of starting to to like stretch over into the West and they needed someone who had that kind of uh, knowledge of the West and Tag was was perfect for it with his with spending almost twenty years over in uh, in in the US. Um, so due to poor uh, agent uh, due to agent poor Alpha Hatari only refereed like major matches for the last decade or so. Uh, but he's actually floated in between a lot of companies while still working with New Japan. He was uh, he refereed the Minoru Suzuki versus Takahashi uh, Segura match for for the GHC Heavyweight Championship in Noah, uh, and he also refereed Ricky Choshu's retirement match in 2019, mm. and then. Late 2019, we got uh, the announcement that he he would retire as a referee, and that his last event would be in uh, in February of 2020, just gone uh, at Curricken Hall. Uh, he went on a little bit of a kind of a tour almost of uh, 
of uh, of saying goodbye to to the fans, and he refereed his uh, last match in the states uh, last September, and was given uh, a big farewell ceremony uh, before he actually refereed his last match for New Japan. Um, February the 19th this year, which was a multi-man match between Goto, Okada and Tomohiro Ishii of Chaos taking on Sanada, Shingo and Nato of Los Ingenables, uh, De Hepon. Um But his, his time with New Japan is not at an end. He's, a, he's now the full-time foreign liaison officer and uh, he's also um, going to be working backstage as a producer for New Japan. Uh, so, yeah, my last picker is... Um, the the legend Tiger Hattori. Great pick. I, I considered putting Tiger on my list, but I, I just I didn't do the research into all the background stuff like that. Yeah, great pick. Great referee. Yeah, I think we've both got a very very different but equally really good um, Mount Rushmore's of a refereeing kind of yeah. spreading a um over like a wide range of, of styles of refereeing, which you don't kind of you don't realize that there is actually styles in the way that referees work. Yeah. I, yeah. You went for the, the more uh, classic referees that have been around forever or retired or whatever. And I went a more uh, modern route, even though red shoes and Wada have been around forever, but yeah, yeah, no, these are good lists. Yeah. Um, again, Billy, I really do appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Um, what I would like from you, and I'm kind of springing it on you. I didn't oh, mention boy, this in in the uh, in the the pre-recording uh, back and forth. We had a, I'd like you to pick a topic for a, another guest. Normally, I mean, you've you've been part of this before. We would give you options, but obviously with no Paul being here, yeah. Um, what kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to hear a guest debate about? Well, I'm looking over your shoulders on the Skype call, and. <laughs> I'm seeing two very nice championship belts. So how about we go that route? The Mount Rushmore of championship belts. Oh, that's right in my wheelhouse. And for for context, that I have actually got two wrestling belts on the wall there, and both of them are now currently in the possession of uh, one John Moxley. Yes, yes. Uh yeah, that's a great, great topic. Thanks for that, Billy. Um, let all the Badlands listeners know where they can they can find you on social media, where they can come and have a, a chat about wrestling or UFC or anything like that. Yeah, so on, you can find me on Twitter at RealBillyC. Um, that's my main mode of uh, social media right now. Um, with the coronavirus going on, there isn't a whole lot to talk about. But um, normally, on a normal day, I would tweet about whatever's going on in, in my life or, or whenever there's a UFC show, I would tweet about that or occasionally, uh, you know, I'll go back and forth with, with mags and the like about wrestling or, or still UFC. And, uh, yeah, you know, once things go back to normal, um, um, my, my Twitter feed, I'm sure will be, uh, a worthy follow. Absolutely, it's a worthy follow, whether or not for me. I I I love uh, chatting with Billy. Uh, we we have a lot of back and forth on UFCs. Um, so yeah, go and give Billy a follow. Absolutely, he's a he's a great person to talk wrestling. One of the one of the most intelligent uh, wrestling Twitter fans out there for me, 
definitely. Um, so yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. You can follow my sometimes co-host when he turns up, Paul at Raincounter. You can follow this uh, this podcast at Badlands Pod. Um, yeah, who had the best um, Mount Rushmore of referees? Was it was it Billy's uh, picks of Aubrey Edwards, Red Shoes Uno, um, Brass Rensburg, or? Kiyohe Wada, or was it Man of Tiger Hattori, Earl Hebner, Charles Robinson, and Tim White? Um, let us know what 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 your choices are. Let us know your choices of the the greatest wrestlers of all time. Let us know your your choices of the the breakout stars of 2020. But remember, when you are you are making these choices, we only have one rule here at Badlands, and that is that you must always use your head. Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.